What's up, church? How's everybody doing today? All right, man, it is a great weekend to be in church. Welcome to City Hope. Man, I'm so glad that you guys braved the nasty weather to be here today. Um, I think that um, so far it's already been an incredible day, and I think God's got something in store for each and every one of us. So I'm glad that you guys are here. Um, everybody here at Malvis, you guys help me welcome the Mobile campus, the Baymanet campus, the Foley campus, all the guys that are watching from the correctional facilities and everyone that's watching online. Can you guys help me? Let's welcome our church family. What an amazing day we have already had with, um, with the baptisms. At every single campus, we've celebrated as a family life change. And as we move into this year, I want us to focus on what we witnessed today, what we experienced today, because I believe that's the future that God is just going to continue to send us into, is to see and experience more and more life change at every campus, at every location, um, and ultimately all around the world, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, all the way to, to every, every place that God sends us, this is what we want to experience. So uh, what an incredible day, what an incredible way to start our day together. Um, and then the other thing I just wanted to kind of add a little bit on, I know our campus pastors at every campus uh, touch this, but I want to just encourage you as well. Next weekend, we kick off a series called Uncommon Prayer. Um, and I want to challenge you as we walk into February, as we move into this next month, not to miss a weekend. Um, it's going to be phenomenal. We're gonna, we're, it's going to be um, right alongside small groups and the fast. So we've got a power-packed, amazing February in store for us. And I don't want you to miss anything. I want you to grow through the month of February. Uh, so definitely be here, be engaged, be connected to that. Um, so we are in the final week of Uncommon. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about kind of the next step. You know, last weekend, as far as any leader goes, to, to be able to talk about vision is one of the most exciting, exhilarating, just one of the most incredible things that a leader gets to do is talk about vision. It's absolutely incredible, right? Because vision is big, it's exciting, it's awesome, it's sexy. I'm just going to let it hang because it is. Like vision is just incredible. Vision is this thing that, man, we can paint the future and we can say, yes, let's run, let's go, let's do this thing, and it's awesome. And every campus last weekend, I know you sat on the edge of your seats as we just talked about what God wants to do in us and through us. It's a big deal. And really this whole month, we've been having kind of a month-long family talk, family meetings, big announcements. We're talking about the future and where we're going and what we're doing. This weekend, this weekend is also a family talk, but it's a little bit of a different kind of family talk. Last weekend was the fun family talk where you announced to the kids that we're going to Disney World and that it's amazing and it's awesome. This weekend's family talk is a little bit different. Because this weekend's family talk is a little bit more like this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we lace up the boots. This is where we hit the ground running with everything we've got. And I believe that as a church, that's what we're called to do. We're not just called to sit back and talk about vision. I believe with all of my heart that we are called to march forward toward the vision that God set forth for us. Would you agree with me? This is what we're called to do. So this weekend is a little bit different. It is a little bit more like let's put the boots on and let's do the thing. Because in order for us to be uncommon, in order for us to live uncommon lives, in order for us to have this uncommon vision, this uncommon future to reach the lost and do all these amazing things, then you and I as individuals have to be uncommon. 
You and I as individuals that make up this local church, we have to be uncommon and we have to live an uncommon life. Which means we've got to make some uncommon decisions. We've got to make some uncommon commitments. You know what the easiest thing in the world is? The easiest thing in the world is to be common. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to work at it. You just sit back and you coast and you get in just the, the, the lane with everybody else. You fall into that rut and you just flow. You just go. But to live an uncommon life like each and every one of us are called to live, one that is different, one that is set apart, to live that kind of life means that we've got to do some things that are uncommon. It means that we've got to live a life that is uncommon. There's this quote that uh, Dave Ramsey says, and if you've ever been in a Dave Ramsey class or a session or whatever, you've heard him say this over and over again. I've tweaked it slightly just to make sure everyone just, it just connects, just make sure we get it. It's super profound. You ready? Here it is. It's this, to live like no one else, you have to live like no one else. Profound, right? To live like no one else. In other words, to get to the place that is uncommon, that's different. Whenever I look around today, the marriages and the families and the financial situations and the life around us that is extremely common, that is not the way I want to live. That's not the future that I see for my family. That's not the future that I see for my church. That's not the future that I see for us as individuals. That's not the future, right? In order for us to get there, we've got to live different. We've got to live like no one else. And what I believe is this, is that this year, 2018, has the potential of being your best year ever. I believe that with all of my heart. But the only way you get there is by you leading yourself, leading your family, taking the charge and deciding that I'm going to be uncommon. We're going to make uncommon decisions. We're going to do things that go against the grain. We're going to, we're going to think different. We're going, to, we're going to do things that no one else is doing so that we can get to the life that no one else is living. That's what uncommon is, and that's what uncommon, uncommon is all about. I believe, man, I am convinced that God has so much more for you. That the, the, the amazing things God has for you are not in the past, they're in the future. I'm convinced that there is so much that God wants to do that your best days are ahead of you. In 1 Corinthians, we read this in 1 Corinthians 12, 9, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Man, we, we believe that, don't we? That there are amazing things that we can't even imagine what God has prepared for you and I. And I believe that. I stand on that with faith. I believe that, that the God has amazing things planned for me. But here's my question for you. Are you prepared for them? Because God's prepared. God's got a plan. He's written it all out. He's got everything mapped out. And he's like, man, if you could just catch it, there's so much that I want to do through you. There's so much that I want to do inside you. He's prepared, but are you prepared? Because the only way that you get the, the character, the wisdom, the only way that you grow in who God wants you to be is when you begin taking steps that are uncommon, that are different. Are you prepared? You know, the way we get to the tomorrow that we want is by making decisions today, right? Doing things today. In other words, if you want to, when your world falls apart, if you still want to live Enjoy and experience joy when the circumstances around you are crumbling, which is very possible, by the way. And some of you think that's not even possible, but the thing is, you don't wait until your world falls apart to try to live in a joyful place. 
you today decide to live in a joyful place and you make decisions today so that one day when things do crumble, joy is there. And you've established it and you've, and you've become that. Why? Because today is much more important than tomorrow. I'll say it this way. What you do today is more important than what you could do tomorrow. Right? Because tomorrow is a question. Today is the only thing we really have. Right? All the potential, all the promise of the future is only as good as your today. The steps that you take today, the decisions that you make today, the commitments that you make today. The promise of tomorrow is determined in your presence, in your present, is determined today in what you do and the decisions that you make. So if we want to live an uncommon life, if we want to be passionate about God, if we want God to be the center of our family and the center of our marriage and the center of who we are, then the decisions that you and I make today and every day after matter. They matter. I've been spending a lot of time in Romans 12 really the whole month this whole month i've just i find myself reading that same chapter over and over and over again and there's this one verse verse 11 that just jumps out at out at me every single time it says don't burn out keep yourselves fueled and aflame there is so much in this verse for you and i today at the beginning of 2018 as we lead into this uncommon future there's so much here Hey, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. What does this tell me? That if I want to be passionate about God and I want to be passionate about what God wants for me, then it's my job to keep my passion alive. It does not say that it's my pastor's job to keep my passion alive. It does not say that it's my spouse's job to keep my passion alive. It doesn't say it's my circumstances job. It does not say it's my boss's job. It does not say it's my kid's job. It does not say that it's my bank's job. It says that it is my job. It is up to me today to decide that I'm going to be passionate about my Lord and Savior. That I'm going to be passionate about putting God at the center of my life. It's up to me. It's on me. It's on me all day long. Verse 3 of that same chapter says this. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given you. Hey, listen, be honest with where you really are. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something that's a little bold. I'm gonna ask you right now, I don't want you to feel bad, this is not to make you feel bad or whatever, but I think this is really, really important as we measure ourselves, as we evaluate where we truly are. I want us to look at this scale. And internally with you, this is between you and God. Man, we're talking about you, your passion level, your passion toward God. Where does it fall right now? My, my guess is, is if I were to say, what's your passion for shopping? That'd be easy. Bam. Right? What do you have to think about it? If I said, what's your passion for Alabama football? Poof. Right? Mm. Right? It, just, it would be crazy. It would be absolutely bananas, right? What's your passion for hunting? What's your passion for whatever? But where is your passion right now for your relationship with God? Because it's on you to push it forward. It's on you to keep it fueled and aflame and pushing you to that next level of where God wants you to be. It's up to you to look inward and inspect our own spiritual lives, our own self, because I believe that this is the best year you will ever experience when you go after God with all of your heart. 
and you passionately pursue what God wants for you, what he has for you, what he's prepared for you. But it's up to you. That future is up to you. And man, I hope that's sinking in right now. We, most of us here, we, we probably are familiar with Judas. He was one of the 12 disciples. He spent three years with Jesus, okay? So Jesus walked the earth. He did ministry on the earth. And he had these 12 guys that were his disciples that he poured into, he mentored, he loved. And he literally taught them the ropes. Like, this is ministry. This is how to love God. This is how to pray. This is how to worship. He literally taught them everything. And there was this one guy. And if you know anything about Judas, you immediately go, that scumbag. Right? You just think, man, what a punk, man. He spent three years with Jesus, and yet he was the one that betrayed him. And he betrayed him for only 30 pieces of silver. Sold him out, ratted him out. Right? And we think, man, what a punk. But here's what I want you to understand about Judas. Judas had the best pastor in the world. Judas had the best leader in the world. Judas had the best, best friend in the world. Judas had the best mentor in the world. Judas had the son of God literally in his face every day calling the best out of him, and yet Judas still failed. Why? It wasn't a leadership problem. It wasn't his surroundings or the small group or the church. It was him. It was in the internal part of his life that he was undecided. He was not transformed. He was not fully who God had created him to be. He was pretending. He was faking. Guys, it's on you and I. You can't point fingers. It's that one's fault. It's this one's fault. If they had been different, if my wife had done this, we, we can't do that anymore. It's time to look inside and say, it's my job. It's my job. If I want to live a passionate, God-centered life, it's my job. It's my job to make those decisions. It's my job to lead myself and my family into an uncommon place. When I look out into our world, our culture, and kind of what's happening all around us, what is normal, what is common, I see a lot of differences between how we should live and how we do live. Right? Common versus uncommon. And so what I want to do for the next 20 minutes is I want to, I want to kind of dive into those things, and I want to look at the difference between common and uncommon. And what does it look like for us as Christ followers? What does it look like for us to make some uncommon decisions and commitments to step into this year different? To decide today that my tomorrow is going to be different, that I'm going to step into that prepared future that God has for me. And the first one is this, what's extremely common in our world is information. Information is extremely common. What's uncommon in our world today is transformation. There's a whole lot of information. I don't know if you know this or not, but just over the last five to six years, there has been more information created than all of history before combined. Think about that. Any topic you could possibly think of to the smallest thing in the world, there are textbooks written on it online, right? There are articles and blogs and videos and all kinds of stuff that are specific to that one little bitty, 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 bitty thing. Right? There is so much information in our world today. However, with that comes very little deep learning. And it's proven by this over the last 10 years, our average, as Americans, our average SAT score is on a constant decline. Average across the board SAT score is on a decline. But yet we have more information at our fingertips than we've ever had before. We live on phones, and the way we take in information is in small snippets. It's nothing deep. 
It's just little bits of here and there. It's a little quote here and there. It's just a little thing here and there. Whatever it is, it's snippets. Or you want to sound like an expert, but no one's really an expert. Right? You want to be able to get on Facebook and make everybody think you know what you're talking about, but you really just went and read a quick little paragraph, and then you posted something. Right? You want everybody to think you're an expert, but no one's really an expert anymore. There's not deep learning happen, happening. What, how does this affect me? What does this look like in the spiritual realm? What's common in our world today is that every now and then, man, maybe we'll read a quote, we'll post a quote. Maybe every now and then we'll see an Instagram image. Every now and then we'll listen to a worship song or we'll listen to a sermon. And there's all these snippets, these little morsels of data out there. That just maybe, maybe put a little cherry on, on top of whatever your, your, your spiritual circumstance looks like. But it, there's no deep learning. There's no deep growth. There's no transformation happening. It's just information. It's extremely broad, but there's no depth in what we're learning and where we're going. We, we settle for information, mistakenly thinking that it's transformation. That something is happening on the inside that we're growing. And I've done that. I've been there. I've thought that just listening to a sermon every couple of weeks was enough. I've thought that just listening to one worship song on my way to work was enough. That, you know, because I follow a couple preachers on Instagram and I see some cool quotes every now and then, that that's enough. And I just fill my mind with information, but there's no relationship, there's no transformation, there's no growth happening. It's just this surface level information. And here's a key that I want you to understand is this, is your life is driven not by what you know, but by what you love. We can fill our minds with information all day long, but it's not going to move your heart anywhere. It's not going to move you to anything. The very first thing we have to realize when it comes to growth, when it comes to moving in this next thing, the first thing we have to realize, the first key to growth is realizing that it's not about growth. It's about Jesus. That information should always lead, when it comes to spiritual information, should always lead to transformation, should always lead to growth, should always lead to me getting closer to Jesus. So what does that look like? That means that when I read the Bible, I don't read the Bible for information. I read the Bible for relationship because I want to get to know Jesus. It's not all these ideas floating out there, but it means that I'm literally going to spend time every single day getting to know the man, Jesus Christ. It's not just a little bit of information, but I want to I wanna be transformed. I want to grow. I want to become who God's called me to be. And just like you and I, the way we build a relationship, how do we build a relationship? Through consistency and time, right? You put time into a relationship, and you have to do it consistently to build that relationship. It's the same thing with Jesus. Yet so many of us, we, our relationship with Jesus is just every now and then whenever I catch it. Just whenever. I want to see you as individuals, as a family, pick up some new spiritual disciplines this year. Where you say, you know what, I'm gonna push in a little bit further this year, and I'm not just gonna read my Bible, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna read my Bible so that I am transformed, so that Jesus can get a hold of me, so that something different can happen in me. I, I like to call this the daily sink. We've, we've talked about this before. That every single day I'm committed, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find time with Jesus every single day. And it's not just gonna be this quick, fast, dirty little thing that I can get in and get out, boom, 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 and it's rough. No, it's time for me to go sit and read my Bible and pray and worship and spend time with Jesus. This year, what discipline do you need to restart or maybe start for the very first time? What thing in your life that's a consistent thing that you put time in with Jesus that you say, this is an uncommon decision that I'm going to make 
because of the future that I want to have, because I want my character to grow, I want my spiritual man to grow in Jesus. The second thing, spiritual discipline that I believe each and every one of us should put in our lives front and center. And this one may shock you that I'm going to talk about it just this way. But I believe if you want to grow in who God wants for you, you've got to be in church every single week. I believe that all in my heart, that you will not become who God's called you to be unless you're here, engaged, leaning in, and a part of this community of believers moving after the same thing. I just don't believe it'll happen. You know, last week, last week we talked about fighting for every family. That's what we're going to do. We're going to fight for every family. And in every single service, there was applause. And it's exciting. It's awesome. We should fight for your family. But here's the key. Here's the thing. We can't fight for your family more than you fight for your family. If you're only willing to fight for your family by showing up half the time, then that's all the fight we can give you. That's all that we can do for you. If you're only willing to fight for your family every now and then when it makes sense and my schedule works out, then that's all we can fight for your family. It's ultimately, it's up to you to fight for your family because we're just here to resource you, to, to, to help you become the parent God's called you to be, to become the husband and the wife that God's called you to be. You've got to fight for them. You know, those of you that love football, if you want your son to love Alabama football, what do you do? You sit them next to you every single game and they watch the game with you, right? That's what you do from a little bitty kid. You just, they, you, you, wanna, you want them to love Alabama football, then put them right there with you, right? And you start a habit, you start a ritual. We're gonna go get wings and potato chips and we're gonna get this and that. And, and every Saturday, it's what we're gonna do, man. We're gonna sit in front of the TV. And little Junior, he's gonna watch dad cheer. He's gonna watch dad lean in. He's gonna watch dad fuss. Right? He's going to watch dad spatter off some stats about this player and that player and that coach and this coach and what's happening. What, and what's happening? That little boy's watching and he's becoming an Alabama fan. Why? Because he saw his dad as an Alabama fan. And he said, my dad's an Alabama fan. I should be an Alabama fan. Right? This is something I should be passionate about. If you want to fight for your family, then you need to be here, be engaged, lean in, and be a part of what God wants to do here through your family. Lean in. Be excited. Let your kids see you excited and engaged in what God is doing here. It's a big deal. And I will say this too. It is a spiritual discipline. A discipline is a decision that you make to get you to a different outcome. Right? It's something that you don't necessarily always want to make, but you make it because you know where you're going. You don't go to the gym because you like the gym. You go to the gym because you want to be ripped up six-pack abs for the summer. Right? Like, it's, it's where I want to go, right? It's a discipline. This is what I'm going to do because I want to get to that outcome, right? Every single day, me spending time with God is a discipline because of where I want to go with God. Being in church every weekend, being engaged, leaning in, taking my family, showing them the excitement and the passion that comes with the house of God, it's a discipline at times to get me where I want to go. I want to I raise my kids to love the house of God. I want to raise my kids to love the local church. I want to raise my kids to love the lost, to want to reach the lost, right? That's how we do it. So this year, what uncommon decision and commitment do you need to make to lean in when it comes to transformation and growth in your family? The second thing is this, what's common in our world is we are connected. We are highly connected. Sherry Turkle, who's a professor at MIT and author of the book Alone Together, she says this, she says, our uber-connected world gives the illusion of community without the demands for it. 
In other words, we are connected to everyone, yet we don't know anyone. Right? It's so wide, it's so broad, yet there's so little community in our world today. What's different, what's uncommon is actual community. Because we are connected to everyone at any given time, you think you know people that you really don't know. The problem isn't that, no, that you don't know anyone, the problem is that no one really knows you. It gives us this false sense of knowing someone and someone knowing you when they really don't. And the second way that we grow is by being known. It's by being known, it's by people being a part of our lives. As a matter of fact, it's a biblical mandate that we belong to each other, we belong together. My gifts, my stories, my experiences belong to you. Why? To help you grow, to help you become who God's called you to be. We're supposed to be together. As a matter of fact, when Jesus, he was baptized, and the very first thing he did before he did anything in ministry was he started a small group. I mean, before he stepped out into ministry, before God used him in powerful and profound ways, before he found his calling, before he stepped out and became who God called him to be, he surrounded himself with guys, people that he could be open and honest with, and he could stretch and pull the best out of them. Right? He started a group. He put people around him. Okay, we're a church, which means the reason why each and every one of us need a small group is because we need a family to belong. You and I, we need to belong to a family. Right? We need to be a part of something where there's, there's help, there's care, there's support, there's love, there's, there's fellowship, there's time together. In the book of Acts... On the opening day of the church, man, we, most of us probably know about Acts 2, and we know about, man, the church was launched, and 3,000 people got saved, and then here the church began to unfold, and these amazing things were happening. And look, and look at what Acts 2 says. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They were together. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's a family. Church, this experience, this community isn't just a Sunday-only thing. We're meant to live life together outside these walls. We're meant to care for each other. And, and as this verse says, they, they had fellowship. They hung out. They spent time together. They ate food together. Right? They cooked meals together. They cared for one another. Man, when, when this family had a need, man, I will do whatever I can do to meet that need. I'll sell something. I'll, I'll show up at a hospital when it's inconvenient. I'll be there for your family when there's a death. I will be there for you when you just need somebody to help you get the kids around. Like, we're just, we're here for each other. We're a family. That's the kind of community that the church that we are meant to live in. And a lot of us, we stay clear of that. We're like, no, 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 I don't want somebody to really know me. But as believers, we have to get to that point. That's how we grow. And the second thing is this, is that it's a community for growth. Man, small groups are a way for you to grow in who God's called you to be. In the book of Hebrews, the writer said this. He said, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now as the day of, of his return is drawing near. Hey, how do we motivate each other? How do we push each other? It's in the context of relationship. It's in community. The first thing about growth, I told you, was it's all about Jesus. The second thing about growth that you need to know is this, is that growth is not a personal project. It's a community project. 
Whatever God is teaching you and showing you and, 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 and revealing to you in your personal time or here as we worship together, when you take that into a small group, and the Bible says it's iron sharpening iron, there's this conversation that happens and it goes from just information to application. All of a sudden, it, like, it becomes a part of your life and it becomes a part of what you do and the way you live and the way you think. And you have no idea that when you take what God showed you and what he's doing in you and you take it into a circle of people that are also on this journey of growth and wanting to become who God's called them to be and you, and you unpack that and you lay that out and there's three or four people there that needed to hear that that day. And you go, man, God is so much bigger than you. He's got a plan in all of it that when he brings people together, there's growth that happens. I love, that CS, I love the way C.S. Lewis said it in Mere Christianity. He said, Christ works on us in all sorts of ways. But above all, he works on us through each other. He sharpens us. He shapes us. He changes us. He challenges us. He takes it from this information and this revelation. We're growing. We're developing. And then we get together with one another. And all of a sudden, our growth goes to a whole other level. We become who God's called us to be. And he shows us things. He reveals things in us. Listen, you, you can come into these big worship centers and these big rooms and, and be here, but you can't have a conversation with a crowd. You can't open up what God's doing on the inside of you in this setting. This is a place for you to come and learn and, and hear the word of God and worship together and build community and then to go out into these homes and go out into small groups and really unpack your life. Why? So that someone will know you, truly know you. So that someone will love you truly love you even in the middle of your mistakes and your problems they can represent what jesus does and just loving you right where you are and then ultimately someone to challenge you to push you toward growth and i look out here and i think about every campus right now there are people that need to take a step into a group and you say you know what you're right this year is going to be my best year ever because i'm going to step into a group I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to risk being known. I'm going to risk just kind of taking it all in and just say, okay, here I am, guys. I want to grow. I want to become everything God's called me to be. And the way you get there is through community, through growth. The third thing is this, the final thing. What's common is consumer mentality. It's all about me. It's all about what I like. It's all about what I want, right? That's, the, that's kind of the name of the game. It's all about preference. And what I want, and it's all about what I want, when I want it, right, Burger King style, right? Okay, what's uncommon is this, is, con is contributor. What's common is consumer, what's uncommon is contributor. Someone that understands that all of this growth that we're talking about doesn't happen just so you can get spiritually fat. Just so you can be overweight by about 300 memory verses. That's not why this growth is happening. Jesus put us on this planet and he formed this amazing thing called the church for a purpose, for a reason. He gave you a purpose and a reason and it's to contribute to his house, to the mission of the church. And the way we get there is when we all come together and we realize that it's not about me, that it's about we together, man, what we can accomplish together. I've quoted this before and I will say it a thousand times. Bill Heibel said it this way. He said, the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. Why? Why is the local church the hope of the world? That seems silly. Why? Because when Jesus Christ saw the need and how great it was, he came up with one plan to meet the need. One plan. He said, the way I'm going to reach my, the people that I love so dearly is I'm going to create a church. That's how I'm going to reach them. That's it. That's all I'm going to do. There's no plan B. There's no other option. There's nothing else. All I'm going to do, I'm going to create a church to go after the vision. 
In Matthew 16, Jesus said this. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The problem with consumer churches is like a cruise liner. And you've ever been on a cruise, you know, like you eat all day long. You can play all the games. You do all the fun stuff, right? It's just this little club on the water. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's awesome. But nobody else is getting on the boat once you take off. This is it. Right? This is this consumer mentality. But the thing about this is the gates of hell, they don't give a rip about cruise liner church. The gates of hell doesn't matter. Like they're not, they're not worried about that kind of church that's all about me. Why? Because nobody else is joining that church. No one else is coming on board. No one else is having their life changed at that church. So why would it matter? Right? Jesus says the only way that this movement is going to move forward is when the church goes after the mission that was before it. All this growth that we're talking about, this personal spiritual growth, this thing, is all to align your heart, number one, with his heart, number two, with his heart for people. To understand that he is all about people. He's all about reaching people. In the Great Commission, we talked a little bit about it last week. In the Great Commission, there's an interesting observation that I want to make is that Jesus' you know, last words is like his vision is like, here we go, guys. Here's, here, this is what we're going to do. He did not command you. He did not command the believer. He did not command you to be a disciple. Think about that for a second. His final words, his final like charge was not, hey, go and be a disciple. And man, be the best disciple you can be, guys. Like just memorize verses, like just go to churches, like just be a great disciple. No, his final command was go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Go win the lost. Go reach the world. Go, go be a part of something that is moving forward, that is a mission, that, that, that has purpose behind it. Don't just sit and get fat. But go and make disciples. Listen to this. If you've already experienced the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ, then church should not get any easier or more convenient for you. Church should get easier and more convenient for those who do not know Jesus Christ yet. Right? It's not about you and your preferences. It's not about you and being this consumer mentality of what can I get and what makes it easier for me. Our mindset has to shift to thinking, okay, I'm a contributor now. I'm a part of this mission. What can I do to make it easier for someone else to connect to the mission of God? What can I do to make it more convenient for a non-believer, someone that has no idea of God, to come into this place and feel comfortable and relaxed and to, and to let their guard down and just be able to hear the truth of God's love for them? What can I do? How can I be a part of that? How can I contribute? This year, for some of you, I think the way you contribute is you serve. As you decide, man, this is the year that I'm going to get off the, the bench, if you will, and I'm going to begin serving. I mean, I look out and I think about some of the people in our church that have been here for years and years and years, and you're so faithful, and you're an amazing couple, you're an amazing man or woman of God, but there's more that God wants to pull out of you. There's another step, man, where you just say just coming isn't good enough. There's another step where you can contribute to the mission and the vision of what God wants to do here. You can begin to serve. You can, you can serve on a weekend and welcome people into this place with a smile on your face so that they know God loves them. You know, you could, you could be a part of outreach ministry and go out and love our community, or you could go up to the, the prison campuses and be a part of that ministry and loving on those men. There's so many ways that you could say, okay, it's time to lace up the boots. It's time to grab the shovel, grab the sword. It's time to get to work. I'm not just going to reap the benefits of the church anymore. 
I'm going to be a part of the church. I'm going to contribute to the church. The second thing that a lot of us need to do, a lot of people here, is we need to financially begin to contribute. We need to take some big steps and say, you know what, this year is going to be great because I'm going to begin all these resources that God has blessed me with. Maybe it's not a lot. Maybe it's a little bit. But you look and you go, I'm blessed, man. Compared to anyone else in the world, I'm blessed. And you go, you know what, I'm going to begin contributing financially this year. Your growth and what God wants to do in you and through you is limited right now because you think this is all mine and it's all about me. And what God wants to do is he wants to open that up and wants you to realize that your growth is going to come when you realize that all of those resources you have, whether great or small, are there because God gave them to you. And God looks and he goes, man, you see this thing that we're trying to do here? You see this mission? You see this vision? We've all got to contribute. We've all got to be a part of what he wants to do here. Maybe there's a baby step you need to take. You know, I don't know what that is. Maybe right now you give, you give occasionally when there's a need. There's a, a Merry Christmas Gulf Coast. There's some need and you just say, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to give toward that. Maybe the baby step for you is just to begin giving a small amount consistently. Maybe that's it. You just say, you know what? This is a way that I'm going to grow this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out. I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to contribute financially. Maybe, maybe right now you're already at that point where you're like, okay, I, I give a little bit consistently. And maybe the baby step for you is just giving a little bit more. You're nowhere near a tithe yet. That just seems overwhelming and big. And gosh, 10%, that just seems so, so big. So what's that next baby step for you? What is that next thing? Right? All of us have a next step where we can just go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push forward in this. Because the only way we get to an uncommon life is when we live uncommonly. And we do things that no one else is doing. And we stretch ourselves beyond what we want to do into what God's calling us to do. And maybe for a lot of you, that's it. And I realize how quiet the room just got when we start talking about money. It's like, oh my goodness, he's talking about my money. I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about the money God gave you. I'm talking about the money that God put in your pocket. Listen, God wants you to be happy. God wants you to have an amazing life. Listen, he's got amazing things planned for you and prepared for you. Your money doesn't have anything to do with any of that. If God wants you to have a million dollars tomorrow, you got a million dollars tomorrow, guys. That's how God works. Okay, it's not about that. It's understanding that we're not in this for us. We're in this to reach the world. We're in this to be different, to be uncommon, so that God can use us and will use us to reach the world. Over the next 12 months, what I want to see and what I believe can happen is I believe that we can grow more than we've ever grown before when we realize and we take some of these big steps. I realize these are not new steps. These are not new things that you just now heard for the very first time, but these are such important steps for you becoming who God's called you to be. So I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm kind of saying, I'm kind of establishing what we're going to call the uncommon challenge. And listen, it's not 21 days to change. It's not take a step. It's not just some simple little thing. Listen, I, am, I, am, I don't know about you, but every now and then, I just need somebody to look me in the face and challenge me. Sometimes I just need somebody to say, hey, it's time for you to grow. Hey, it's time for you to act a little different. It's time for you to do something a little different. It's time for you to push beyond that point. And maybe that's, that's what today is for you, is just somebody looking at you and going, dude, there's more in you. And the way you get to that more is when you take a step toward God. And it's not just one step. And it's probably not two steps, three steps, four steps. I bet it's five, six steps that over the next 12 months you need to take. That you need to step out and you go, okay, there's, there's more that I can do. 
There's more transformation that God wants to do inside me. There's more growth that God wants to do in me. There's a bigger perspective that God wants me to see when he, whenever I look at the church. He wants to change some of these things. What if for the next 12 months, what if for the next 12 months we just decided we're going to take step after step after step after step toward what God's called for me? I'm not just going to sit back any longer. I'm not just going to think that I'm, that I'm good, that I'm kosher, that everything's all right. I'm going to push further than I've ever pushed before toward what God wants for me. I'm going to do some uncommon things. I'm going to make some uncommon decisions, some uncommon commitments. I'm going to bring the kids along. I'm going to bring the grandkids along. I'm going to bring everybody that I can along because I realize, I look out, and I say there's more that God wants for me. And I believe that January 2019, as a church, we're going to look back and we're going to be blown away at what God did this year. Blown away at what God did this year. When you and I decide that it's up to us, as an individual, as a family, it's up to me. What kind of future do I want to have? What kind of growth do I want to have? What kind of peace do I want to have? What kind of life do I want to have? Right? This will be the best year of your life when you go all in and you give him everything that you've got. To have an uncommon year. To live an uncommon life. So I'm challenging you. Let's go all in. Let's make some decisions. When, whenever we leave here, there's small group hosts in every commons right now. Don't wait till next week. Today's the day. Get in a small group. And listen, if, if day one, you don't really like that group, they're weird, it's all right. You're weird. Go to another group next week. Go to another group the next week. Why? The Bible didn't say just try three small groups, and if it doesn't work, give up. No, the Bible says you need community. You have to have people sharpening you. So what does that mean? Be diligent, man. Take a step. Find a group. And at the end of this thing, if you had not found a group, then start a group. Start a group that looks weird like you look. Right? Just do whatever you got to do. Why? Because this is a big deal. If you want to grow into what God's called you to grow into, then take these steps. Next weekend, commit. I'm not going to miss this prayer series. There's nothing in me. There's no way. I don't care what trip I got to cancel. I don't care what's going to happen. I am not going to miss this weekend. Why? This, these weekends. Why? Because I want to grow. I want to know how to pray better. I want to be united and unified with, with, with my church body, my church family over prayer. And here's where we're going. We're going to fast together. We're going to be in this thing together. Like commit yourself. It's uncommon. It's weird. Feels weird right now. You're thinking about it. You're like, I don't know. I don't know if I like this or not. I don't care if you like it. Okay, that's the flesh that's pushing back right now. Open up the spirit and let God speak to you and say, this is the step you need to take right now. And the next week, there's another step. Next month, there's another step. But over the next 12 months, we're going to take steps, people. We're going to take steps. You can put your little step counter on. We're going to step. Let's pray. I believe this with all of my heart that when you take steps, when you move toward God, you're going to be a different person. In Jesus' name, I pray right now, God, that every single person, as their heart was open to receive and hear from you today, God, that you have challenged us to move. You've challenged us to go into a new realm, a new place with you. And Lord God, we surrender all of our lives to you. God, I pray that through this year, we will become uncommon people that we will live uncommon lives, that we will be in community, growing together, God, that we will serve and we will give, and God, we will be a part of this house, and we'll be, God, we will, we will take on new spiritual disciplines to grow in our faith and to grow in, in, in just being closer and closer to you. God, we give this year to you. 
God, it's not enough just to sit back. It's not enough just to let life happen. God, we're going to make it happen. We're going to move toward the future that you have for each and every one of us. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.